Hello, and Dave, is this on? Dave, I'm not hearing myself. Are we recording? Dave? It's Peter. Peter? Who's Peter? I am. Well, then why am I calling you Dave? Dave was the last producer. Really? When did we get a new producer? Six months ago. I see. Well, nice to meet you, Peter. Uh, is this mic on? Yes. So we're recording? Yes. Well, then why can't I hear myself? In the headphones, I can't hear myself. You need to press the direct monitor button. The what? The, the direct monitor button. The one... Here, let me. Oh, that one, right. Now, yes, now, now I can hear myself. Still recording. Oh, right. Um, can you just cut all that out and then we'll start over, shall we? Just cut to the show. You're listening to the Canardly Talk Straight Show. Please give a warm welcome to your host, Canardly Talk Straight. Hello and welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have another guest from the Renaissance period of the late 15th century. Today's guest was considered the greatest artist of his lifetime and one of the greatest artists in history. Like Leonardo da Vinci, he was considered a true Renaissance man, excelling in sculpture, painting, architecture and poetry. The truth of this lying in two of his greatest works, the Statue of David and the Ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Please give a warm welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Michelangelo di Lorobico Buonarroti Simoni, or as we know him, Michelangelo. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Tip top. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. You're welcome. Listen, just to make sure, you do want to talk to me, not Michelangelo Marisi de Caravaggio. No, definitely you. Uh, It's just that I turned up to this thing last week and it was really embarrassing. They wanted him instead of me, even though they usually call him Caravaggio and me Michelangelo. You wouldn't believe how often some assistant or other gets it wrong. Well, I'd be happy to speak to Caravaggio, but not today. I'm not sure you would be. He's pretty highly strung. A bit paranoid. Still thinks the Knights of Malta are after him. I mean, he's dead. He should just let it rest, you know. I see. Well, we'll keep that in mind. Don't tell him I said that, though. I'll never hear the end of it. You know each other, then? Not really. I was around before him. But, you know, dead Italian artists seem to flock together. But I prefer to keep to myself. Unless it's Leonardo. I don't mind him. He was great. You like Leonardo? Well, yeah. I mean, he's a hard guy to get to know, but he was the one I looked up to. He was around before me. I see. It's just that he was recently on the show and he... Really? Did he mention me? Well, yes, he did. What did he say? Did he talk about the David? I really wanted him to like that one. He said it was a masterpiece, but you never know what he was really thinking. Yes, he is a bit... I always got the impression I got on his nerves. Well... I mean, I get that he was older than me and he had a lot of friends. I was a bit of a loner. Yes, you were some 20 years younger than Leonardo. You were born in 1475 in the small town of Caprese, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And your father was a banker? Yes. A failed banker? Yeah, that too. And when you were born, he was working as the town's judicial administrator, is that right? Where do you get all this stuff? Uh, well, we have researchers... Well, did you know we descended from the Countess Matilda di Canossa? Yes, the great Countess. Of Canossa Castle fame. But I believe that remained unproven. Doesn't mean it's not true, Canardly. But perhaps unlikely. Or likely. Well, if it can't be proven, it's more likely to be unlikely. Well, it's unlikely you or anyone is going to convince me that it's not likely. So, like it or not, I think it's true. All right then. Is it true that after you were born, you moved to Florence? 
True, we moved to my beloved Florence. And it was true that your mother died there when you were six years old. Correct again, though you could have been a bit more compassionate with the delivery of such bad news. I mean, it was my mum. I was just a little kid. So still an open wound? Yes. Even 500 years after you yourself died? Once again, a little tactless there. I know I am dead, but I am a sensitive soul. Right. Uh, my condolences? Thank you. That's all I ask. Now, after this, uh terribly sad state of affairs, you lived with your nanny and her husband. That's right. The family had a marble quarry and it was there with divine providence I discovered my love of marble and banging it with a hammer and chisel. Your love of sculpting. Yeah, I always consider myself first and foremost as a sculptor. Really? I mean, your drawings and paintings are considered masterpieces, second to none. Did Leonardo say that? Uh, no. He didn't like them, did he? Well, let's say he was reticent to give praise. I knew it. He thought they were rubbish. I always suspected he didn't like them. Uh, but history suggests otherwise. The great art historian Giorgio Vasari suggested your work transcended all others, and many of your contemporaries said that your work inspired awe from the viewers of your art. Yeah, except Leonardo. It sounds like you crave Leonardo's acceptance. No, I don't. It sounds like you do. Nuh-uh. Well, then why do you dismiss the praise of others and yet seek Leonardo's opinion? Do not. Do too. Look, did you want to ask me about my work or about Leonardo? You asked me what Leonardo thought. And he thought it was rubbish. Well, you don't know that for sure. He could have been jealous. Really? Do you think so? Well, it is possible. But you think so. I, uh... You said it. No backsies. Leonardo was jealous of me. Well, I said it was possible. Definitely jealous of me. No question about it. Right. Well, even though you consider yourself a sculptor, you were apprenticed at 13 years of age to the painter Domenico Ghirlandaio. Yeah, that's right. Worked out pretty well for me because Domenico sent me to meet Lorenzo de Medici, who was super rich and basically ruled Florence. Lorenzo the Magnificent. Yeah, that's him. And he asked me to stay and work for him. Gave me a room at his place and everything. It was pretty sweet. By his place, you mean his palace. Yeah, it was definitely palatial for sure. This is where you attended the renowned Platonic Academy, is that correct? If by academy you mean a group of big brains sitting around chewing the fat, then that is correct. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? Well, Lorenzo loved having so-called intellectuals hanging around talking about stuff. I think it made him feel smarter or something. Don't tell him I said that. Secret safe with me. And in Florence, there was a lot of interest in Plato. And there was this priest, Marsilio Ficino, living at one of his villas doing all this research on Plato. Mm-hmm. So all the local big brains used to hang around and talk about philosophy and art and politics and stuff. It was pretty interesting for a teenage kid, I have to say. Did it influence your work? I think later on it did, definitely. Not so much while I was still refining my technique, you know? Yes, I see. So you stayed there until 1492, is that correct? I did, yeah. Then what happened? Lorenzo died, so I had to move out. I went and stayed with Dad for a bit and caught up on some studies. I carved a wooden crucifix for this church and they let me cut up some dead bodies to study. Anatomical studies. Correct. There is nothing like cutting up bodies to work out how they go together. Sounds rather gruesome. Anything for Art Canardly. And if there was anything we had plenty of back then, it was dead bodies. They were everywhere. And a good thing I did, because a couple of years later, 
Piero de' Medici commissioned me to make a statue out of snow. Would you believe it? They had money to burn that lot. This is Lorenzo's heir, is that right? That's right, yeah. So anyway, after that, I was back in the fold. But not for long. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. The Medici were expelled from Florence. I swear I had the luck of a black cat with a broken mirror. Still, up to this time, you had created some wonderful works for the Medicis. The Reliefs, the Madonna of the Stairs, and the Battle of the Centaurs, some of your earliest work in marble. That's correct, yeah. And your expulsion eventually led you to Rome for a commission that led to the creation of the Madonna della Pietà. For the French King's Envoy, yeah, that did get me noticed. The art historian Giorgio Vasari considered it a miracle that such perfection could be carved from a block of marble. Well, who am I to argue, eh? But this was just a stepping stone to your most famous work, the Statue of David. Yeah, the one Leonardo was so jealous about, right? Well, possibly. Definitely. You said yourself. Well, whether he was or he wasn't, was, you had to return to Florence first, is that right? Yeah, things had calmed down a bit by then. And I was asked to finish this project that was sitting around unfinished for 40 years. It was big, mind you. One big chunk of marble, 17 feet tall. So I got out my trusty hammer and chisel and got to work. 17 feet tall. That must have taken a while. Two years. My hands were pretty sore after that one. No doubt. Then a bunch of painters got together to argue about where to put it. Yes, that was quite a group. It included Botticelli, Filippino Lippi, Pietro Perugino, Lorenzo di Credi, Davide Ghirlandaio, Piero di Cosimo, Andrea Sansobino, and your old friend Leonardo da Vinci. Did he say we were friends? Well, no, I just mean we've been speaking about him. Well, did he say something about me? Well, apparently he called the statue a masterpiece. He also said it should have a loincloth. He was a funny old prude. Apparently, I heard he was jealous of me. Uh, well, it makes sense. He was always a bit weird around me. Which must have been awkward because you were both commissioned to paint separate walls of the council chamber in the Palazzo Vecchio. Leonardo with the Battle of Anghiari and you with the Battle of Cascina. Yeah, we didn't really work together. He started his war before me and he was trying all these experiments that were useless, basically. Why is that? Well, you know how when you paint something, the paint is supposed to stick to whatever you're painting? Mm-hmm. Well, his didn't. Ah. It'd peel off almost before it dried. No wonder he was jealous of me. I could make my paint stick. But they were two quite distinct paintings, were they not? Leonardo's depicted soldiers on horseback, and you depicted soldiers being ambushed as they bathed. So what you're saying is Leonardo was on his high horse, is that right? Uh, no, I think- Now that you mention it, I'd say that's a pretty accurate assessment. By you, not me. But I do agree. I didn't really say- Uh, 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 no, Baxies, you said it, it's out there. Well, in any case, neither of the works were finished. That's right, I was ordered to go to Rome to build Pope Julius II's tomb and Leonardo gave up. Well, that's not quite true. He also had to take on another commission. So he says, yes, but the fact is, the paint didn't stick. Well, regardless, Pope Julius seemed to change his mind regarding his tomb as well. I have to admit, we did not see eye to eye. I mean, this was a big project, 40 statues, and he was constantly interrupting me, asking me to do this and that. Then he wonders why he started running out of money. Hmm. So I left. But not for long. No, not for long. He asked me to come back. And you agreed. Well, it wasn't to do his tomb. It was to do something else. The ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Yes. But first, I got him to agree to let me do what I wanted. 
They had this idea to do a painting with the 12 apostles, but I wanted to think big, do the whole story of creation. This was a big ceiling after all. 500 square metres. That's right. And I have this theory why they asked me and not Leonardo to do it. Why is that? Because if you're painting something that's upside down, the paint needs to stick. Makes sense. And of course, you painted in fresco, a mixture of lime-based plaster and paint. I did, yeah. Plus, we had to chip away an old fresco that had already been painted on the ceiling before. How long did it take you? In total, four years. Truly remarkable. In fact, the German writer Goethe wrote that without having seen the Sistine Chapel, one can form no appreciable idea of what one man is capable of achieving. Who said that? Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. I know him. He was a German writer from the late 18th century. Was he a gossip writer? A gossip writer? Yeah, like did he write for the tabloids or was he a real writer? He is considered one of the greatest and most influential writers in history. So he wrote books and stuff? Uh, yes, he wrote books and stuff. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I'll have to look him up. Do you think he'd send a copy to Leonardo? Leonardo again? Or not, you know. I mean, it's not that I care or anything, you know. I'm cool about it. Just wondering is all. Yes, it totally sounds like you are cool about it. I know, right? Well, the year after the Sistine Chapel was finished, Pope Julius II died and Pope Leo X, another Medici Pope, took over. Was that advantageous for you? You had worked for their family extensively by this point. At that time it was, yeah. The Medicis were back in power in Florence and with Pope Leo in Rome, he had me working on Julius's tomb again. Then there was the Medici Chapel. Then after that, the trouble started. The sack of Rome by the Holy Roman Emperor. Yeah, that led to the Medicis being kicked out of Florence, which led me to designing fortifications for Florence against the Medicis who wanted back in. Quite a mess. You have no idea. I mean, on one hand, the Medicis gave me lots of work, but on the other hand, I didn't want them to destroy the city trying to get a hold of it again. Anyway, they didn't like that much because my fortifications lasted 10 months under siege. Is it true that you had a death warrant put out for you? They were not happy. But they eventually wanted my art more than my head, so they pardoned me. They needed you to finish more work on the Sistine Chapel. That's correct. Clement commissioned me to paint the last judgment on the wall, then he died. But his successor, Pope Paul III, made sure I finished it took me seven years. Considered quite controversial though. Yeah, there were a lot of prudes around then and they didn't like that Christ and the Virgin Mary were naked. Honestly, they went on and on about it and waited till I was dead before they had one of my apprentices cover up their genitals. How did you feel about that? To be honest with you, I had enough on my plate. I was writing poetry, designing architecture I did the dome on St Peter's Basilica, did you know that? Yes, that's right. I mean, they finished it after I died, but I did all the hard bits. Now, you died on the 18th of February, 1564, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And how did you die? Well, there's this thing called old age. I died of that. I see. Well, you left an incredible legacy and embodied the true meaning of what it is to be a Renaissance man. Michelangelo, thank you for your time. Renaissance man, I like that. Tell that one to Leonardo as well, eh? Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Michelangelo. And as we always say, if you'd like to find out more about Michelangelo, just Google it. You have been listening to the Canardly Talk Straight Show. Stay tuned to this channel for more episodes. <laughs>